Welcome to the Death Dialogues Project Podcast. Grief becomes you. No, really. It reaches into all areas of our lives, either overtly where we acknowledge our losses and the ensuing journey, or subliminally, not addressing our loss, but the effects creeping out in our general functioning, our coping, our relationships and communications. The Death Dialogues Project was born out of an immense loss and the renewed awareness of how conversations regarding grief and loss continue to remain closeted. Our initial aim was to conduct interviews of those who were willing to talk about death and turn them into pieces of verbatim theater, using the interviewee's exact words for performance pieces. Since we have branched out into the podcast arena to keep death dialogues flowing between productions. How can you help? Please subscribe to this podcast and give feedback. Follow us on Instagram and our Facebook page at The Death Dialogues Project. Share our info with others. We so appreciate it because as we continue our journey at the Death Dialogues Project, developing our social media platforms is so very helpful for our mission. Thanks for being here. Hey, thanks for joining us today. I'm a big believer in there are no coincidences. My yoga teacher from when I lived in the States emailed me a lovely blog post regarding someone's grief story. And I noticed the URL was yogaforgriefsupport.com. The post she sent was a guest post on that website. Obviously, I wanted to learn more and my immediate thought was, wow, of course. Why haven't I seen more about yoga practices enveloping the practice of walking in the world after loss? So I did a deep dive into this website and found that Sandy Ayer, who created Yoga for Grief Support, had an online course offering. Brilliant. I started the course and had a chat with Sandy and am so blown away by the practice and the whole concept and the care she has put into developing it. I couldn't wait to have her as a guest on the Death Dialogues Project podcast. So I had the most lovely upbringing in yoga starting 25 years ago at what was then called Namaste Yoga in Springfield, Illinois in the States. And I quickly attached myself to a specific teacher, Nancy Long. Not only is this program directly addressing grief issues, but I am personally thrilled to connect with a practitioner of such a similar practice philosophy as my core of yoga teachings were. So this feels like a really beautiful homecoming for me. And for those of you that are unfamiliar with yoga or think it's all about contortions that you couldn't possibly do, this is not your Instagram posing type of yoga. This is for everyone. And the melding of the mind, body, spirit in this practice is magic. So let's meet Sandy and hear about her grief that brought her on this journey and more about the practice. Oh, and listen closely because we will be sharing a discount code for the online eight-week session. I'd like to welcome today's guest, Sandy Ayer of Yoga for Grief Support. Thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. Well, I'm very thrilled to get this conversation started. So let's get right into it. If you could give us some background about yourself, a bit of why you were looking for something for your grief and how you found yoga as being a support. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I, I've always done yoga. I started my yoga practice in the year 2000 as an adjunct to a mountain bike training program. And 
it had always just been a physical practice for me. And at the time I was uh, with a man in my life, my partner, his name was Cam. And in 2006, he died quite suddenly um, after collapsing in a mountain bike race. And after his death, I, I mean, it turned my world upside down completely. I am I, so sorry for your loss. Thank you. Yeah. Um, I, I still went to yoga. It was kind of like the only thing that I could do with the energy that I had. And I, I just, it's funny because I didn't really realize that I needed support. I, I knew that I was crushed. I knew my world had turned upside down, but I would go see psychologists and I would fill out their questionnaire in the waiting room and they would tell me that under the circumstances, I'm normal. And I felt so abnormal. And in my yoga practice, I kept having emotion come out or on my way home, driving home from yoga, I would be crying. But I did notice that I was sleeping better. And one of my cousins posed the question to me, why do you think that is? And it was from that point that my yoga practice kind of changed to be a little bit more nurturing and a little bit more holistic. At the same time, I had been going to a grief group here in the city where I live, Edmonton, and I was noticing a lot of similarities in what we were learning in the grief group with what I was experiencing on my yoga mat. So the group leader would be talking about the importance of taking a deep breath. And then on my yoga mat, I was feeling like, oh my gosh, I haven't taken deep breath in days, that sort of thing. Yeah. So yoga became for me a, a place to experience in my body, in my mind, everything that I was learning about grief in my changed self. Beautiful. I today just um, did part of one of your sessions and it's so interesting even though some of us who are listening may have done yoga, that really making the space um, and almost needing to be led to do that by somebody when you're grieving. Um, Because yeah, that space just doesn't come naturally for me. You know, it's, it's more of a, let's move on to something else now. And just the pause is beautiful. Yeah. And I think that, I think that's pretty common because I know for me, I didn't know what I needed. I didn't know what was wrong with me. I didn't know what I was experiencing. I didn't know, I didn't know what to eat for breakfast, never mind, you know, what to do in my yoga practice. Um, And I think it's, it's really helpful to be told it's okay to slow down. It's okay to stop. It's okay to feel it's okay to just take some deep breaths. You don't have to push through. Um, because that had kind of been my go-to prior to Cam's death. Um, and definitely in the first few months of it, before I, I realized that I needed that space to allow everything to settle and for me to kind of move towards my pain instead of trying to get away from it. And, you know, that tendency to want to get away from it and do something different, I think, is totally normal. I I often talk about the fact that if you were to touch your hand on a hot stove, you wouldn't do it again. And yet when grief or when loss happens, you are bombarded with pain and you can't escape it. Yes. And so I, I found for myself through yoga and through learning about grief and being supported by many wonderful people that there's an opportunity to make a, a yoga program that is combined with education about loss and bereavement and grief. So that's how it came to be. Beautiful. Yes, I believe in the Western culture. I, a lot of times people don't even think twice. We're just um, bombarded with messages of hurry, hurry, busy, busy, you know, keep yourself busy so you don't have to think about other things. So uh, this, is, this is just a beautiful antidote to that mentality, I believe. So I have a question for you. Earlier, we had a little chat and you mentioned that your loss of Cam and your grief experience fundamentally changed you. And I was just wondering, you know, I think a lot of us can relate to that sentiment, but for each of us, it holds a little bit of a different meaning. Can, can you unpack that a bit for us about what changed for you? 
Yeah. Um, so much changed. I, I mean, in the broader scale, I, in encountering my own pain, I've become more compassionate. I've become less judgmental. I've become more in a way open-hearted to all of the joy mm-hmm. and all of the pain that life brings. Um, on the other side, I've, I've become more anxious. Mm. You know, when something bad happens, you think something bad could happen again. I remember the time, like when Cam collapsed in the race, we were, it was during a mountain bike race when he collapsed and we were on different parts of the course and an, an ambulance passed me going towards the person who had collapsed. And I thought, there's 200 people here. What are the chances it's him? Mm. And then the air ambulance flew over and I thought the same thing. And so that has stuck with me. And I think like, I am not immune. It could happen to anyone. So living with loss on the other end of the scale has made me a little bit more of a worrier, a little bit more anxious. Um, But all in all, I, I just could not ignore the truth of human suffering and the truth of the work it takes to be a human when loss is inevitable and grief is inevitable. Um, And in my other career, um, it's not really that separate from yoga for grief support, but I'm an occupational therapist by day, yoga teacher by night. And my career changed. Um, I no longer could work in an area where we didn't treat the whole person or we didn't support the whole person. So I, that's one of the reasons I started yoga. I wanted to be able to interact with people in a holistic way, not just a physical way. And over the years, I have then kind of switched my OT career into palliative care, which is where I work now. Um, so yeah, there are some continuing threads of my personality that are the same for sure. I'm still introverted. I still love reading. I still love mountain biking. But I, yeah, I'm Mm. different. I'm different. I don't have the same friends. You know, that's a big change. I think a lot of people have to work through Mm -hmm. after loss. Um, I just see the world differently in both very good Mm -hmm. ways. You know, I think I I love more deeply. uh, But I also see the world in sadder ways too. Yeah, Yeah, a lot of what you're saying is resonating and you just, I actually almost had a visceral response that, um, that sense of being more aware that loss can happen. I remember, um, just so much more acutely feeling that like, yeah, the odds are not great that it could happen, but in any given moment, (laughs) you know, more loss Mm -hmm. and more tragic loss can happen where you, especially if you've been um, walking the path of practicing yoga or mindfulness or trying to live that kind of lifestyle, I think sometimes we tend to uh, rely on kind of a state of denial slash bliss. (laughs) (laughs) You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And I do. So that's why I think another reason this is really really beautiful to to join these worlds because we tend to look at a yoga teacher or people that are really embedded in the practice of almost being immune um you know from the outside looking in although as you say it's it's really about feeling all the feelings isn't it Mm. Yes. So one thing, a little selfishly, we're always interested in hearing people's experiences of when they felt that they've had some communication or a sign from a loved one. And I'm just wondering with your relationship with Cam, if that's any experience that you'd have that you'd like to share. Yeah, I, um, this is a topic I'm really interested in. And I was listening to other podcasts of yours and I too am struck by the fact that we don't talk about it a lot in general (laughs) social interactions. Um, But yeah, I've had quite a few, quite a few scenarios, I guess, come up over the years. Um, But the one that's the most recurring 
is I find dimes. Ah. Um, yeah. And after Cam died, he and his, or sorry, his best friend and I became quite good friends. And he had listened to a radio program that talked about people finding dimes after a loved one dies. And then, and then one day he was paying for something and the cashier didn't have enough change and gave him like $2. Oh my gosh. Um, So that kind of was the start of it. And then sure enough, if I was ever having a bad day, a dime would show up. Like I can remember one time I was back at work and I I was 27 at the time. So we're sitting in the cafeteria and I worked with a bunch of other, you know, mid twenties therapists and they're all talking about dating and talking about their lives. And I was literally crawling out of my skin. I couldn't handle it. And I got up and left and I was walking back to my office and someone had put a tray, a cafeteria tray on the um, little cart and right on the very edge of the cafeteria tray was a dime oh just balanced there perfectly. And it's stuff like that that happens all the time. You know, I'll bend down to tie my shoe and there's a dime wow. by my foot. Or one time, like Cam and I were quite outdoorsy and we spent a lot of time camping. So a year after his death, uh, the weekend he died, I wanted to go on a camping trip, Sandy's solo camping trip. And I was getting all prepared and I brought our tent out and I unrolled it and set it up. And in the middle of the tent on the inside oh was a dime. Oh my goodness. Yeah. And so I've been collecting them and I, you know, I see one and I just kind of pick it up and say a little thank you and put it in my pocket. And then when I get home, I have a jar that I put all of the dimes that I've found in and I'm making quite I guess. a collection. That's beautiful. Oh, I yeah. love that. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Well, I'm so glad that you've gotten little bits of comfort and I'm, I'm, I'm really happy that Cam's sending you dimes instead of pennies. Hey, eh? yeah. <laughs> <Go Cam. laughs> yeah. Me too. So more conversation about the practice then. And just curious, you know, what, what made you settle on yoga? I know, um, occupational therapy is, is super broad, you know, and there's, there's many facets of that, obviously. And so I'm sure just your ongoing work had a little bit to do with it. But what is it about the yoga specifically that appealed to you or that you saw potential in? Yeah. Um, well, one of the fa- factors is that it, the yoga practice I did was very mm. gentle. And I, that appealed to me because grief is so exhausting. Um, so you don't have to exert a lot of energy and yet you can still feel things in your body. That's not the tightness or the kind of the visceral emotional pain. So you're moving your arm in a certain way and you can feel the muscles stretching. So that gentleness and yet sensation appealed to me. Um, but it's not just the physical side. It's, it's the mental, like yoga helped me understand my mind and it gave me a little bit more control over how I was thinking and my anxiety. Um, And there's a whole kind of, albeit controversial, but a spiritual side of yoga. And my interpretation of that is that yoga just says, search inside yourself and believe something. It, It just gives you a space to explore your mind, body, and spirit and find your own way and when death happens you know you love from the inside out no one can force love upon you and after a death you have to grieve and mourn from the inside out and to me yoga was a way where it kind of touched all the uh all the angles of my life all the nooks and crannies of where I was experiencing Mm -hmm. grief And the yoga philosophy, um, like it's not just doing yoga, it's about being yogic. So that's the other thing that appealed to me was that, you know, it's not just on my yoga mat where I'm learning how to take a deep breath. I'm now incorporating that into my world and into my life when I'm not on my yoga mat 
or I'm noticing when I have a pit feeling in my stomach and I'm paying attention to that and I'm letting my body guide me through decisions or through paths or I'm, you know, as corny as it sounds, I'm following my heart. But yoga gave me a way to interpret the signals from my body and it gave me a way to change my relationship with grief in a very broad mm-hmm. way. So that's what I that's what I really like about it. And that's what I find so supportive. Beautiful. And yes, I feel you. I'm wondering if you could just share a couple for people that might not be familiar, just a couple of the um, concepts of yoga that you can take off the mat, the guidelines. Yeah, one really important one. So, well, just backing up a little bit in yoga philosophy, um, we say there's eight limbs. So the physical poses are just one of the eight limbs. Some other concepts that are important are um, the sense of turning your attention inward. So removing yourself from what's happening around you and paying attention to the, you know, the inside of you. I think that's really important. Our lives are so busy and people, even after a death, are so drawn into the world outside themselves because the inside can be difficult and challenging and painful. Um, So it's called pratyahara and it's the turning inward of the senses. So that's one important concept, starting to pay attention to yourself. But that goes along with another important concept um, that's important, that is part of yoga, which is a sense of not doing any harm or not doing Mm. any violence. And it's part of um, ethical living in a yogic way. And, you know, this I find super important because we don't deal well with grief in our culture and we expect ourselves to be over it, you know, Mm -hmm. quickly. And we expect ourselves to not feel pain in an ongoing way. And we expect ourselves to get back to normal. And I know for me anyway, when none of that happened, I thought that I was doing it wrong. And earlier you asked me about how I got support and how I knew I needed support. And for so long, I, I just kind of beat myself up over it. I thought, what's wrong with me? Why, why aren't I getting better? Why aren't I feeling better? Why aren't I over Mm -hmm. this yet? And yoga says, do no harm to yourself. Be where you're at. Love yourself through it. Send yourself Mm -hmm. some compassion. And I think that is Mm -hmm. so vital. And even when you're doing your yoga poses, you know, they should be comfortable and steady and they should have effortless effort infused into them. So I think that's another really important concept that you should do on your yoga mat, but also when you're Mm -hmm. out and about, you know, off your yoga mat, sending yourself a little bit of grace, compassion, Staying connected, back to that first concept, staying connected to what you're feeling on the inside, letting it inform you so you're not reactive, but you're more mm-hmm. responsive, if mm-hmm. that makes Absolutely, sense. yep. Yeah. I think what's beautiful about that, too, is, is um, on the aspect of the do no harm, that automatically, I think a lot of us, when we hear that, would be thinking, do no harm to others, and your entire conversation about that tenant has been about do no harm to yourself and compassion for yourself. And, you know, that gets back to just uh, really what I call radical self-care, you know, beyond the nails being done or an occasional massage, but the, the day in day out, um, you know, we don't think about that, do we? So often about being compassionate to ourselves. No. No. And Yeah, that's one thing I've been kind of reflecting on lately in my own life, just what you were saying about self-care being getting the nails done or going for a massage. Yoga has given me a way to take care of myself um, throughout each day as it's happening. And it's not just relegated to a time when I need to escape my life in order to Mm -hmm. take care of myself. Of course, that's part of it sometimes. You know, I like a mountain getaway just as much as the next person. (laughs) But um, Yoga has given me kind of that space in my own life and that ability to reflect on 
you know, oh, in this moment, I can take a deep breath. If it's all I do, just Mm. take a deep breath. You know, it's infused throughout the day. It becomes a little bit more accessible in an ongoing way, not just sporadically. Yes. Yes. Yeah. As simple as the breath. Yeah. Yeah. As simple as the breath. And that's one of the most common things I hear from people who have come to my class is the Mm -hmm. breathing. People say the breathing, like learning how to breathe again. I remember one of my participants said that when she first came, she couldn't breathe. She felt like somebody had a hand around Mm -hmm. her windpipe. She just was choking on grief. And coming to yoga helped her learn how to breathe again. Yeah. Mm. So, you know, we're in a culture now. It's an age where everywhere you look, there's um, a post on yoga on Instagram. Or, you know, and we have so many different types to choose from. And, you know, when you've been doing something for a long time, you assume that, that other people are literate in that. But there's a lot of people out there that have been... I think, afraid of yoga because it just seems too, you know, difficult or, you know, there's some mystification about it. But if a person, when it was like, yeah, I want to go and I want to find some yoga classes to go to, to help through my grief, what would you recommend that a person be looking for? Or, you know, rather than you definitely suggest if you have a type, a name to look for, but also maybe what kind of questions should they ask the teacher that would help to know that it's going to be a gentle, compassionate space for them? Yeah, Um, that's a very good question. I would, I would recommend, well, I have two trains of thought. Generally speaking, because grief is so exhausting, I would recommend a gentle Hatha Mm -hmm. yoga class or even something called restorative Mm -hmm. yoga, (laughs) which means that the teacher, (laughs) yeah, (laughs) which means that they'll use like comfy pillows and uh, yoga props to help support your body in ways where you can just completely relax. Um, Having said that, though, early on in my experience of loss, I went to a little bit more of a vigorous practice because I wasn't really able to Mm. sit still yet. I wasn't Mm. able to be still yet. So I talk a little bit about kind of meeting yourself where you're at before you move yourself. So if you're feeling anxious and you can't sit still and you can't focus, maybe a more vigorous practice would be beneficial just to help bring that down a bit. Yes. Yeah. Um, But if you are... um, a little bit more exhausted Mm. from grief or if you're emotional or if you're feeling like you can't keep busy anymore and that Mm -hmm. sort of thing, um, a slower, gentler practice will allow you to connect more with the mental side of yoga and the breathing and the um, kind of allowing of emotion. So there's that. But then, to make it more complicated, um, every teacher kind of infuses their class with their own, their own style and their own, in a way, beliefs. So I would have a conversation with the teacher, get a sense of their comfort with emotion and with grief. I've had some people come to my yoga class that say, They went to yoga and the teacher said things like, everything happens for a reason and all you need to do is change your thoughts. And just to be clear that that's one teacher's interpretation of yoga. So do your due diligence and find a teacher who you feel safe with and find a teacher that allows you to experience whatever you're experiencing without trying to spin it in a positive light or something like that. Um, Yeah. And I think just be picky. There's a lot of different teachers out there with different Mm -hmm. approaches and find a space where you feel safe. 
Because if you don't feel safe and emotion comes up during your yoga practice, you're going to be fighting with that and you want to be allowing it, not fighting it. Such a great point. I like be picky because I think sometimes you can go into a situation or a class and then the self-judgment arises. Well, this is yoga. I should, you know, and then you should all over yourself and that's not very helpful. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. No, it's not very compassionate. And, you know, even in mindfulness culture, like after class one day, a student came up to me and said, I was trying to be mindful, but I was in too much pain. Mm. And, and I think that that is a misconception we have about mindfulness, that if you would just be in the present moment, everything will right. be fine. But in grief, the present moment is not fine. Um, and yet being aware of it is being mindful. So a class where you can be actually mindful of everything you're experiencing without a perceived sense of judgment from the teacher, the other participants, the, you know, the general feel of the yoga Mm -hmm. class. Yeah. And yeah, be picky because there's so many different teachers out there. Yes. Yes. And speaking of mindfulness and incorporating that with yoga and grief, how do you address that within, is it just a very experiential process as you're going incorporating the mindfulness or do you actually have a, a, a time that you're explaining this to your participants? Tell us how that fits together. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, I do it in the moment, um, but I'm also a little bit more structured. So as I'm teaching, I'm really teaching to the people in the room. So, and I, you know, I learned this from an experience I had with my yoga teacher. I was standing in mountain pose, just standing, and she was watching me. And she said, Sandy, don't swallow it down. Let it mm. come. And I thought to myself, how does she know? Mm. And I would have loved to see what she was seeing because I'm sure my fists were clenched. I'm sure that I had emotion all over my face, Uh, but she helped me. She used her observation skills as a teacher to create some space for me to be mindful of the fact that I was experiencing emotion. Mm. So I do that in my own class. I'm watching what people are doing, and then I'll use gentle cues to help people stay with whatever's happening. Mm -hmm. But also, I structure it a little bit. So I'll talk about being mindful of the body. So being mindful of the sensation of a muscle stretching. Be mindful of the movement of clothing on your skin. Be mindful of the temperature of the air. So you're really noticing every aspect of your experience. And then a little later on in the session, I'll talk about being mindful of your thoughts. Mm -hmm. You know, what thoughts are coming to my attention do I spend time thinking about them or can I take a step back and just let them come and go and pass like clouds in the sky? And then a little bit later on in the program, I'll talk about being mindful of emotion Mm -hmm. and that the emotion is meant to kind of arise and crescendo and release. And if we can stay mindful of how our body's feeling, like, okay, my eyes are stinging with tears. I feel a lump in my throat. Oh, there I go in my mind trying to fight the fact that I don't want to cry. And so I frame it kind of like Mm. that. If you can stay mindful and present with the natural flow of emotion. Mm. Um, So I, I do education portions, but then... In the actual yoga practice, I reinforce it based on what I'm seeing or I really trust in the people who are doing the yoga practice to use their own internal wisdom and their own sense of themselves to allow all of that to settle as it Mm -hmm. will. Yeah. Beautiful. So 
that's a little bit different, um, a different approach than you have made an online yoga program. So obviously you're yes. not in the room with people there. And at this point, I'd like to pause for a minute and let our listeners know if you're listening for your 20% off coupon code, here it is. It's death dialogues, one word. And we will post the website on our notes, but just for you right now, it's yogaforgriefsupport.com where you can find the eight week online yoga course. So can you tell us about how that came about? And obviously that's a whole different vibe, isn't it? Because, because you're trying to meet those needs through your comprehensive course. Yes. Yeah. And I struggled with it a lot actually, because I don't think that it's one size fits Mm. all. Um, And I'm sensitive to that, like really sensitive to it, almost paralyzingly so. Um, But I was getting emails from people from around the world asking if I knew of yoga classes for grief in their areas. And I don't. I know there's a couple of people in the States that are doing it. Um, There's a woman in British Columbia here in Canada that's doing it. And some people are cropping up all over the place, but there's not a lot out Mm -hmm. there. And so that quite a bit. And I decided to give it a whirl. So I made an eight-week online yoga program that kind of follows the general structure that I would do with an Mm in-person group. Um, And I've made it so that there's an opportunity for interaction with other people who are doing the course on discussion boards within the program. And I've also hopefully made it clear to the people doing it that I'm available via email if they have any questions. I definitely don't want to put it out there and then not check in with people as they're doing it. Um, But I was hoping that it would create a little bit of, um, a little bit of that space for yoga as a grief modality Mm -hmm. for people around the world. And you can do it in your own home. You know, that's the other thing I have found interesting with my class. People are coming to it before they're ready to speak. Mm. Like they don't want to join a grief Mm -hmm. group where you have to speak, but they can come to yoga and still learn something and experience yoga and all of those great things. So I thought, you know, there might even be some people in Edmonton that don't want to come to a class or can't come to a class, but would still like to work through this on their own. So that's how it came to be. Absolutely. I feel like that, you know, I didn't really think about that with the whole course aspect, but you're right. You know, especially early on, there's a tendency many times to be a little reclusive And that really Mm -hmm. meets that need. And I just want to give a little shout out right now because I have explored um, the course and I actually sat in the little red shed and um, went through it while I was doing some other work, played it because I have been doing yoga for about 25 years, but it has been I have some inflammatory (laughs) issues, you know, that Mm -hmm. make some of the poses a little bit more difficult. And there's a block for me about going to classes. So I just try to do a really gentle practice here. So that's kind of how stilted I am about it, that it's like, okay, I want to see it first before, you know, like I need to know it's safe, quote unquote safe. And I was just like, Mm -hmm. I don't believe there's coincidences. You know, I feel like I was meant to connect with you and I'm looking at that and I'm saying, oh my goodness, that's just about what my practice entails, maybe a little bit more at times. And so Mm -hmm. it just felt so welcoming and so gentle. And the other thing I loved about the exploration into your online yoga program was how you are diving into the grief process in an informative way as well. Um, yeah, so I didn't rush ahead. You know, I really went into the first week in, quite in depth and um, started reading some of the second week's information. But well done you. I think you've done a tremendous oh, job at putting information together as well as the practice. Thank you. Yes. Thank you. That's really nice to get mm. that feedback. 
Yeah. And I, I too worry about online classes from a physical perspective. Mm. Um, so part of it being gentle is that I don't want people to get hurt doing yoga in their homes without a teacher by their side. Um, so that's part of why I made the class online. Well, and the class in person is gentle too. It's all gentle, but yeah, I just believe so strongly in having a teacher that meets you where you're at physically and emotionally and mentally. Um, and I'm glad that even though it's online, it was that for you. Mm -hmm. And their flow, um, the conversational flow, your instructions are just spot on for me as far as connecting mind, body, spirit, and, um, you know, the mindfulness aspect. It just was really easy to stay with your voice and stay with the process. So again, thank you. I think it's a gift. (laughs) You're welcome. Thank you. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So for anybody listening right now that has a question of, "Mm, you know, should I, shouldn't I, I, yeah, I think it's, it's nothing to be apprehensive about and it will do nothing but support you on your journey for sure. And so if if we could just talk, circle around a bit, because you mentioned, I think, earlier the phrase about taking yoga off the mat. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think I remember, again, that was one of the commonalities of you and my original teachers talked about that a lot. But can you break that down a little bit more for us, please? Yeah, for sure. Um, Taking yoga off the mat. Yoga to me is meant to support your life, not just in the hour long that you're doing your yoga class, but to, to be supportive in every aspect. Um, so a lot of people talk about, you know, sleeping better. That's one kind of, I don't know what the word would be. Benefit? Um, benefits. Yeah, thank mm. you. <laughs> a benefit of a yoga practice. But things like um, helping yourself be more grounded in ungrounding situations. So being grounded is feeling uh, stable and in your body. Being ungrounded is like head in the clouds, Mm -hmm. daydreaming, swept off your feet. So yoga, when you're doing a yoga practice, it's very grounding. You feel your body, you feel your feet, your feet are barren on the mat, you're, you know, clenching your leg muscles, you're relaxing, you're in your body, you're aware of your physical boundaries. And then if you practice that in yoga, when you're not in your yoga class, when you're walking down the hall at work, you can feel your feet on the ground, you're aware of your boundaries, you're aware of your physical body. And so all these things that we practice in yoga, relaxation, remembering how to breathe deeply, you start doing it when you're not on your yoga mat. Mm -hmm. And so it becomes kind of yoga all the time. Um, People ask me if I have a pretty intense yoga practice. um, And I don't actually. (laughs) I I do yoga throughout the day. Mm. I, you know, I take some deep breaths here and there. I do a forward bend here and there. I remember to, you know, keep my thoughts in check if I'm starting to spiral into anxious thoughts. Like I infuse elements of my yoga practice throughout my whole day. And so that's where I'm learning how to, and it's a practice, right? That's, it's ongoing, but how to be yogic instead of just doing yoga Mm. one hour a week. Mm. But how can you incorporate some of those things? in your daily life, like noticing when your muscles are tight and relaxing them. Mm -hmm. I have a, one of my yoga students came to class one day and she said, I can fall asleep every day here during Shavasana, the relaxation pose at the end of yoga. Mm -hmm. And she says, but I go home and I can't sleep. And I said, well, what's the difference? And she said, well, here, you're reminding me to come back to focusing on my breath and reminding me to focus on my breathing. And um, it was just an interesting conversation because over time, she learned for herself how to do that at home at 2 a.m. when she's lying awake. Um, 
you know, she was able to notice, oh, here I go thinking down this path of unproductive thinking at two o'clock in the morning. And then she would bring her attention back to, you know, focusing on her breath, thinking about one thing, not everything. And so that's an example of taking it off the mat. Beautiful. Yeah. It's actually a, you know, a emotional slash psychological intervention of sorts as well. It's a, it's a concrete physical, you know, mind, body, spirit way to stop that spiral, isn't it? Of, yes. of yeah. uh, whatever it is, anxious thinking or um, extremely sad thinking or just, uh, you know, and I'm talking about the simple line there, I can't sleep, I can't sleep, I can't sleep cycle, you know, spiral that yes. keeps us awake yeah. sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, beautiful. And even just noticing that you're in that spiral, mm. you know, that's mindfulness. And, and I just want to go back to the fact that, you know, I'm just going to drop that one more time about the fact that you're an occupational therapist. And I think there's something with that background that lets you meet people in a different way. I, I'm imagining, I'm imagining because mm-hmm. of, of your training and your experience at, you know, holistically with people as well to have a really deep understanding. And when it comes to the grief work, your own grief, you know, yeah, from where once you speak, you know, yeah, yeah, wow, yeah, for sure, yeah. So, you know, we we can look at the yoga that's advertised out there and think, okay, that isn't for me, that isn't for me. And I think you and I are, um, painting a picture of a very gentle practice that basically seems like it would be effective for anyone. But is there a time when yoga wouldn't be a good fit? That might be helpful for our listeners to hear. Yeah, definitely. Um, Oftentimes, like I was saying before, how people often come to yoga early on in their grief experience when they're maybe not ready for a talking group. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's a little bit of a, an individual assessment, depending on the person. So I've had people who are interested in coming in the very short weeks after a sudden and unexpected death. And it's a conversation that I have with them. And I say, like, I understand you're reaching out for support. And I recognize that that's an, like an important piece of getting through this hard initial time of shock and numbness um the challenging thing with yoga though is that it requires that you go inside that you pay attention to what your body is experiencing and early on in grief it's quite normal to feel numb and to feel kind of like shocky Mm. and so if that's where you're at a practice like yoga Um, a very gentle and explorative practice like yoga might not feel congruent with your numbness. And I don't want to push someone to not feel numb. You know, that will shift when it's ready. Um, But I do caution people and I usually say, come to one class and see what you think. Mm -hmm. And I've had people who say, no, I'm not ready for this. Um, So that would be my one caution. If you're feeling quite numb or in shock or, and I think we use this word a lot in our culture. And so I'm hesitant to say it, but I'm going to say it anyway. If you're in denial about the death, and I say that with the caveat that denial serves a super important purpose Mm. of protecting your soul when you can't handle the onslaught of pain. Mm. So if you are in that space, a practice like yoga might not be great right now. Mm. Excellent point. Um, Yeah. And you know how I said earlier in my own practice, I went to a more vigorous practice early Mm -hmm. on. And I think that's because I wasn't ready to go to the mental and emotional places. Mm -hmm. And so a purely physical yoga practice, which there are lots of, mm. <laughs> kind of met my need for doing something. So that's the other thing about there being a lot of yoga practices out there. Mm. Just be discerning about what feels right. Right. 
Yeah. I'm having a flashback as you say this to <laughs> years ago, I drug my teenage son, one of my sons that was a teenager at the time to yoga nidra <laughs> thinking yeah <laughs> <laughs> thinking like oh you know just come and enjoy this natural and we got out of there and he okay so back up so yoga nidra this particular practice was over an hour of um yeah. being in the same relaxing savasana type pose yeah supported I believe we were supported so you know there may have been some pillows but the idea with this particular practitioner was not to move you know that you really just stay in the same pose and there was some guiding and you know something to me that felt like bliss yeah he came out of the (laughs) wild-eyed looking at me like are you insane you know like mom that was torture and you know what a great reminder right I mean we're yeah yeah. I mean there are times that you know and it's like thank you for bringing that up because you're right there are times when people just need to move their bodies more and give their, yeah. uh, where they, their mind, even if they're practicing mindfulness with that, there's a lot more going on to focus on. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah totally. Yeah. Oh. And so that's the, like, that could be the other thing that you could have a conversation with about the yoga teacher. If you were exploring yoga in the place where you may live is, you know, what is your class like? This is how I'm feeling mm. like, you know, and get some feedback but that's a great story I could just imagine (laughs) an 18 year old boy trying to (laughs) 18 year old man trying to be still for an hour yeah yeah Yeah. Yeah. with me yeah just hyping it up it's yeah it'll be such a great natural high (laughs) (laughs) oh oh this has been great I'm, I'm just wondering before we totally wrap up is there um, maybe just a little basic practice that people might engage in when they're feeling a wave of overwhelming grief that you could just kind of walk us through right now with their, yeah. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yes, for sure. Um, So I think probably the most effective thing would be breathing. Um, Your breath is always with you. Mm. You can use it as a barometer for assessing how you're feeling. So if your breath is tense or shallow or uh, short, you're probably feeling that way in your body. Mm. Um, If your breath is relaxed, you're probably feeling relaxed. So the other thing is that you can control the breath. So you have an opportunity to shift your state a little bit by doing some breathing exercises. So, um, That would be my recommendation. So the first thing to do, whether you're sitting or lying, it doesn't matter, but um, either close your eyes or just find a spot to stare at in front of you and soften your eyes, soften the skin on your forehead and just take a deep breath in and a sighing breath out. And then Regardless of where you are, connect with your body. So maybe you can feel your feet on the floor. Maybe you can feel your buttocks sitting on the chair. And just bring your attention to kind of the solidity of you in this moment. And then further to that, bring your hands onto your body. So one hand is on your chest and one hand is on your belly. And then be intentional about feeling your body beneath your hands, feeling the temperature of your palms on your body. So you're just allowing yourself to connect, to be present. And then I always like to start just by noticing how is my breath now without changing a thing? Does it feel tense? Does it even feel like I'm breathing? Without judgment, you're simply noticing what does my breath reflect about how I am in this moment? 
And then with that awareness, you can start to deepen the breath. So when you inhale, see if you can sense your chest expanding, your abdomen expanding. And then as you exhale, feel how it falls back or contracts. Almost like with the in-breath, a balloon is filling with air. And without the out-breath, it's kind of releasing, relaxing. And then just spend maybe five good breaths. Breathing in. You can breathe in through your nose or your mouth if your nose is plugged. Feeling the expansion. And as you exhale, what can you soften? Can you let your shoulders go? Soften your jaw. And then with the breath in, you're feeling the stretch from the inside of the body. Lifting the chest. Stretching the ribs. And as you exhale, soften. And you can continue with this breathing deeply, evenly, trying to make your in-breath and your out-breath the same length. And it really doesn't have to be long. Maybe three, five breaths, ten at the most. And I always like to finish on an exhalation. And then just letting my next breath be completely natural, uncontrolled, and just take a moment to briefly reflect on how deep breathing made you feel. What's shifted? And this is a practice you can do anywhere. Anytime. Beautiful. Your breath is always with you. Mm. Yeah. A lot of the work I do with people is centered around breath. And it's just amazing how far away we can get from it. You know, people yes. don't realize until you start doing a practice such as this. You know, sometimes... I hear very frequently, I didn't realize how much I held my breath. Oh, my goodness. So true. Yes. And if we're doing that, if we're holding our breath, that's getting that whole sympathetic drive part of our autonomic nervous system, the fight flight reactor Mm -hmm. revving. And, you know, that takes on a, you know, starts a whole process. So I really, really appreciate you sharing this with our listeners today because, You're right. Our breath is always with us and we can center around that at any time. Yes. And, you know, just a couple of breaths helps to turn on the relaxation response. So that's the thing with grief, right? It's this ongoing, continual, massive stress. Yes. And so it's really helpful to have a few tools to bring that more into balance, you know, at least get the relaxation response coming on sometimes. Yes. And the more, the more you practice it, the more conditioned that response is and the quicker it will come. So exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That's beautiful. So, Hey Sandy, can you think of anything that we haven't covered that you'd like to mention if you want to take a couple seconds to do an internal scan for that? Yeah. I can't think of anything. I think we covered covered everything. Do you want to let our listeners know where they can find you again? Yes. Yeah. So I have a website, yogafergriefsupport.com. Um, and on there, I have access to the online class. I have a blog with information about grief and yoga. I also have a Facebook page by the same name, Yoga for Grief Support, and an Instagram page. So if you're on social media, you can connect with me there. And um, yeah, and I'm pretty approachable. So if you have any questions, don't hesitate to contact me through my website or one of those other 
platforms, I'm happy to, I'm happy to help. Beautiful. Well, thank you so much for the healing energy you're putting out there and the work you're doing. Um, Well, thank you for creating your podcast and, you know, helping make the change we need in talking about death and dying and grief. I really appreciate it. Well, right back at you. Yes. (laughs) Namaste. (laughs) Namaste to you. Yes. Thank you so much. Take care. You're welcome. Thank you. Be well. You too. We hope you've enjoyed your time with us today. We'd love for you to get further connected with our project. You can find the links in the podcast information. You can also find the Death Dialogues Project on Facebook, on Instagram, and at www.deathdialogues.net. Take good care and see you next time.